You're listening to Pros Like Us, brought to you by NFL Draft Blitz. And now, without any further ado, here's Alex and Lou. That's right, gang. We are back and better than last time, we hope. On this episode, we have a guest from the University of Iowa, running back, as well as we answer the question, what the buck? TB12 is back. Did he really ever leave? So a lot of questions here. But uh, first off, let's go ahead and go to our guest. He's a running back, formerly of the Iowa Hawkeyes in pride of Plainfield, Illinois, number 21, Ivory Kelly Martin. Ivory, welcome to Pros Like Us, man. How you doing? Doing pretty well. Happy to be with you guys today. I uh, really appreciate you guys bringing me on the show. All right. Well, we're in the heart of draft prep season. You guys uh, have a pro day coming up. What should we expect? Yeah, March 21st. Right now, it's less than a week away. I've been training for this for about the last 10 to 12 weeks. And uh, it's going to be a big time for me. You know, I'm going to try to put up really good numbers, which I know I've been able to put up before. I'm expecting to be able to get a lot of attention from some coaches because I'm sure there's going to be, you know, all 32 teams probably going to be represented up there at our pro day. It's going to be exciting. You know, I'm going to look up to put pretty good numbers, going to be able to run fast, jump high, put up a lot of good bench reps, and, uh, They'll show out, show my athleticism, which would really uh, just, you know, build upon my tape. Well, what's the unofficial height, weight, and speed as we sit here today on, I believe, March 15th? Yeah, right now I'm weighing in at 205, uh, 5'10", looking around a 4'4", 40 in that range, and jumping, I'm looking ahead of 35-inch vertical, hopefully get up to 36. I got some adrenaline running through my veins, but uh, athletic-wise, I've been able to always produce in those times. Which is your go-to event at the Pro Day that you think you're going to excel in? You know, I think I'm actually going to be able to excel. I'm thinking I'm really going to be able to catch a lot of guys off guard on my bench. People don't really see me as, like, the big power back, but I've always felt like I've always been an all-around back, been able to have speed, agility, and strength when I'm running the ball. And that also shows up when I'm picking up blitzes. You know, I'm really good at picking up blitzes, and that's a hard thing to find in the back. And uh, my bench reps is going to be pretty high, which I think uh, is going to surprise a few guys. But, uh, you know, something I've always been able to do uh, my entire life. You know, my agility drill is going to be really fast, too. You know, I've been able to clock below a 4.0, 5.10.5, and uh, my three cones going to be pretty, pretty quick. And I, I just want to be able to get out there in front of some, you know, NFL coaches and so. I can catch the ball, and, you know, I'm, I'm strong in the weight room. Obviously, this is the biggest interview of your young life. I mean, the anticipation is probably killing you right now because the schedule has been put up ahead of time. How do you sleep at night? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes it's, you know, it's a little bit nerve-wracking, especially just watching the uh, combine this a couple weeks ago, watch a lot of guys go out there and perform and really just doing the same things that, you know, we've always, we've all been talking about since we've been, uh, started playing this game of football. I've been playing football since I was six years old, so this has always been a dream of mine. And to know that I, all the hard work I've put in late nights and afternoons after school instead of going out and hanging with my friends, going to the gym and working out and just trying to get better to improve my game, it's all come down to, you know, this one day. 
all the nerves are taken away just from you preparing and getting ready for it. You know, that's what I'm just trying to do right now is just make sure I'm at my tip top shape that I've ever been in my life and ready to excel and perform the best way possible by preparing the best way possible. You had an extra year of eligibility left. Why did you decide to come out for the 2022 NFL draft? I did do a lot of thinking during that time, uh, maybe taking an extra year to possibly put up some more film and good tape. But I already have really good film and really good tape at this point. Just not all the numbers that you usually find there with uh, a guy coming out his fifth year like me. But I feel like if I were to go somewhere else, uh, transfer somewhere else or even done a, do another year at Iowa, I'll still be in the same situation I'm going to be in. Coming an undrafted free agent and have to making the camp and making my way through the NFL system like that. So, And uh, with the sixth year coming up with a lot of guys taking the sixth year and coming out, the whole entire draft class is going to, just going to be keep getting more and more kids coming through. So next year is going to be big. This year right now is the biggest year, but next year is going to be even bigger. So I feel like now would be the best time for me, especially now that I have an off season where I'm going to be able to work, uh, going to completely healthy and uh, show out to these NFL coaches on my pro day. So I remember you participated in a few other sports in, in high school, track, wrestling, volleyball. If yeah. you weren't going to pursue football, which would it have been and why? No, I was always a pretty big fan of track. Uh, I was never into you know, the long distance stuff, but Definitely the short uh, sprints and everything I was a huge fan of. So it was just fun to me to be able to compete against somebody, prove on my times every single day or meet to meet or whatever it was. You know, I was a big sprinter, surrounded 100, 200. Even hurdles, I, I was a pretty big hurdler. I was a little bit longer for the hurdles, running the 300-meter hurdles. So it was just fun to me to be able to get out there on the track and just, just run. You know, most people aren't just fans of running like that, but when it's short distance, it's actually not that bad. Ivory. Tell us your background a little bit. When you were coming out of high school, who were your top schools? Coming out of high school, I was a big fan of uh, Illinois at the time. I had a lot of buddies. Uh, obviously, I'm from the state, and going to not too far to Champaign wouldn't be you know, a bad, bad option to me to stay close to my family and also be with a really good coaching staff. But at the time, they had uh, Coach Lovey Smith, and I was actually a pretty big fan of him at the time. But it was his first year getting down there. So I, he was already just getting down there. You know, I was already pretty locked into Iowa. But I was a pretty big fan of him. And uh, Arizona was also a pretty big one I was a fan of. You know, I really liked the uh, conference. The Pac-12 was really appealing conference to go over to. And uh, But it was just the far. It was, it was just really far. During that time, I was really became a fan of Iowa when I took a visit, which most people usually uh, end up becoming a really big fan because they understand how great the people is down here, how good of a coaching staff we have, and like the knowledge they're able to teach uh, to me and the rest of my uh, teammates. And like I said, just the really good people and the relationships you make down here is why people choose it. So, Ivory, what, what is the essence of being a Hawkeye football player? I mean, we've seen, you know, plenty of, you know, tight ends come out of there, offensive linemen. But just, I guess, forget about the, the NFL part of it, but just the essence of being a Hawkeye football player, being part of that program. For me, I think being five years here, it's, just, it's the unselfishness that every single one of our players who stick around have. You know, we all are in here together to represent the Hawkeyes logo that's on our helmet we're all trying to leave the jersey in a better place and 
I felt my past five years here, I've been able to leave the jersey in a better place with either the way I played on the football field or what I did off the football field, how I tried to change uh, the building and the team camaraderie as a whole, coming more together as a team from top to bottom, from top level management to, you know, the janitors uh, walking in the hallways every single day, just trying to be a family. And that's the big aspect that all Hawkeyes have from uh, Hawkeyes played before me to new recruits that's committing to 2024. How would you characterize Coach Ferentz as a leader? Like he's a player's coach, you know, someone that's always looking for input from the players, someone that's not afraid to take criticism uh, in any area and would always have an open ear. That's something, uh, you know, I really like about Coach Ferentz. When I've ever ever had anything to say say to him, he's always been open and hearing and coming to talk to me and encouraging guys to come and talk to him because that's honestly what makes him a better coach and what makes our program and our football team a better football team. When guys have been able to do that and take leadership on a player's role, it's only improved his outcome for the season, our outcome for the season, and the way he coaches us. How does being at Iowa prepared you for the NFL? Yeah, so a lot of things we do at Iowa is pretty, I wouldn't say strict, but it definitely prepares you for you know a higher level of work, a higher level of accountability, and responsibility. You know, whether you're taking responsibility for yourself or having to take responsibility over a group of guys and some of the, you know, team activities we have, you always have some type of, of responsibility on your plate that has consequences. And I feel like the NFL is a lot like that. Not only does put a lot of responsibility because it's on you because it is a job, you're the only person that's going to be able to uh, take those consequences uh, if, you know, you were to mess up in some type of way. But it also just prepares you to, you know, wake up every single morning, put in those extra hours, watch film, uh, they are able to teach us a lot here at Iowa. That's what, like one of the biggest reasons I came here because the coaching staff had a really good football IQ and I was able to learn a lot from them. And I understand the like the whole entire systems of football and the system of offense and defense and special teams. They teach us really well over here. And uh, I feel like they've prepared me my best to you know go on to the next level and you know add to a team in more ways than one. Given that whole background of just Iowa, we talked about the essence of Iowa, how they're preparing you for the NFL. Now, you're a member of the Leadership Council, correct? Correct. Okay. Now, so when you hear a quote, and I, I've this isn't me making this up. I mean, I read this somewhere uh, in a newspaper story. When you hear a quote like, a toxic culture for black players at Iowa – what does that mean to you? Is that is that an accurate description, or what, what's been your experience as far as that aspect of Iowa? As far as my experience with that, it's a lot different. I've definitely seen a lot of guys come and go from here, and uh, something that's always been around Iowa for some reason, and it's something we've acted, we've all been actively trying to fix. And that's one of the main reasons I chose to stick around here is to get to the main. Uh, root of that problem and figure out how we can help guys acclimate to coming from you know inner city schools like I came I mean I, I was born and raised in Chicago being around this different type of community is it's not new to me but you know it's definitely a lot different coming from a place where you know I'm, see, I'm seeing people that look like me all the time 
to somewhere like Iowa that is one of the widest states in America. So it's definitely going to be an adjustment for uh, people when outside of the building. Outside, inside the building, it, it was the many times where people felt like we had to walk around eggshells, which, uh, you know, might have been a little bit of a atmosphere that was there uh, with some previous coaches that was in the building. But since then, it's changed a lot. And that's one of the reasons I feel like I've been able to change that atmosphere or leave the jersey in a better place, like I said before, for guys coming up after me. And uh, I like to say I changed it, and a lot of guys feel differently now about uh, the way it has been. But since I had been there, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that had instances with coaches that came off the wrong way because they're not used to having instances with coaches like that especially if, like, the coach is white. If you look at it from, like, their point of view, it's very understanding how somebody could, you know, bring up a, a statement like that or a quote like that. I mean, obviously not asking you to talk crap on, on your program. I mean, th- this isn't something that is, I guess, unique to Iowa. There's many programs around the country and around the world in different sports that, that have to deal with just cultural differences. And uh, I appreciate you answering that question. I just wanted to make that make you aware of that. And uh, just for our listeners yeah. to understand that we're, we're not trying to, you know, give some sort of gotcha type statement. So was there anything specific, Ivory, that you were able to implement that you feel that, that helped along the way? I feel like the biggest thing is just bringing things to light and not having things just bottled up with between the players. You know, there's locker room talk. And I feel like locker room talks are good, but when locker room talks gets too out of the hand, it makes sense for some somebody to be representative of those players and come up to you know higher levels of management and go talk to them about those things. You know, I was able to bring that together with some of my teammates. Uh, we started then the leadership council. We had a smaller black players association where we was able to come come together choose some representatives and those representatives would bring any things that are being talked about in the locker room constantly over and over again and bring it up to the head man himself, Coach France. And he was all on board to, you know, hear things like that. Like I said, he, he's always the big problem is when he doesn't hear things like that because either guys are too scared to tell him because I mean he's a long, well established coach that's been doing this for a long time and has a lot of success. A lot of younger guys coming into the program don't think that they could come up and speak those words to him. But that's who he is. That's why he's been doing this for so long. And he's been so good at it because he's been able to take the input from his players. And uh, once he was able to establish that and make that pipeline straight to the coach, uh, we've been able to change it and guys feel a lot more comfortable being in that locker room, being on that field and being in that weight room together. As you just outlined, there's a lot more to being a college football player at times than just, you know, carrying the football, uh, making interceptions, scoring touchdowns, you know, whatever it takes. But, uh, yeah, you're to be commended for for your work that that you do. And and I think that as more teams see this as a positive, I would imagine a a lot of pro teams have the same thing in place. And I would imagine Coach Ferentz coming from a pro background uh, recognizes that. And I think that uh, that should be a good program moving forward. You touched on transferring or the, the idea of it. Did you ever consider the transfer portal? It was definitely in something I, w- I was considering during those times. Uh, but like I said before, I felt like my purpose was a little bit bigger than what I got from it if I were to transfer. You know, I, I lost my starting position going into my junior year. 
coming out of injuries. But, uh, you know, I still feel like I, as I came back, I still had the ability to perform at a very high level. It's just I wasn't really getting opportunities my entire career at Iowa. Just not being able to get the opportunities to go out there and get those big play calls and whatnot uh, just because of some injuries I've had in the past. Recovering from those things, I mean, I've been able to recover and no little injury is going to be able to keep me down. And I've been able to prove that pretty well. And I'm going to be able to prove it again come March 21st. Yeah, I mean, transferring would have probably benefited my football career a lot. But uh, uh, I definitely feel like I still have a lot going for myself staying here. And that's, that's a lot about who I am uh, as a teammate, as a character, and as a man of, you know, just me, myself. You know, I'm not going to leave my teammates behind. I'm not going to leave people who put, you know, their trust and loyalty into me, you know, to the side. Okay, let's just go back for a quick minute. Let's say... I don't know, even before high school, what, what's your most vivid memory of starting out playing football? Story my mom always tells me, which I actually remember pretty well also myself. That was my first touchdown I ever ran, first start playing football. <laughs> I just remember, you know, looking up, at it, looking up into the sky, just running as fast as I could. And once I got the touchdown, my mom was sitting in the back of the end zone getting my sister ready for cheerleader game or whatever she was doing but she was just right there with her arms out happy as ever to watch me score my first touchdown ever since then I mean I've always kind of been that kid people say they're going to make it to the league but for those things to actually be coming more into light right now and being less of a dream and more of a reality to me it's just uh so special to see so how old were you do you recall yeah I've been playing football since I was six years old all right, so you were playing running back at that time, too? I was a little bit of a bigger kid when I was younger, but uh, I was playing running back, fullback, really just fullback. Whenever they would give me the ball, I'd go ahead and run touchdowns. So that's the way they started putting me back there, running back. So you've won a lot of games at Iowa. Every year, the, the Hawkeyes are up there in the top 25, top 10. The 2021 season, you guys went 10-4. and four. How would you describe your final season there with the Hawkeyes? Yeah, I mean, we had big hosts for that season. You know, we got off at, as a really hot start. At some point, we were ranked uh, number two in the entire country. And then we took a couple of losses against some really good football teams. You know, a lot of people don't understand it's, it's hard to win every single game, especially if you're playing the Big Ten. But any college football team, really, it's a matter about who shows up and who plays the cleanest football every single day. We wasn't able to do that for a few games, and that's why – uh, we had some blemishes on our record. But to be able to make it to the Big Ten Championship, that's a once-in-a-lifetime experience, really. And we haven't done that since 20, back in 2015. And be able to do that my senior year it was pretty special to me. And be able to contribute to get to that point was really special to me. So it was definitely a season to remember. Uh, we wish we could have ended off on a better note. But uh, things like this don't come all the time. And uh, I can only be happy to be able to do it with my teammates, with my coaches, my family, my friends. Ivory, do you have a favorite NFL team? Yeah, uh, the Rams. The Rams is my favorite NFL team. Why the Rams? Uh, Marshall Falk, he was my you know all-time favorite running back growing up. You know, the dude changed the game for running backs as a whole to be able to you know show that versatility in a thousand-yard receiver, a thousand-yard rusher in the same season that was unheard of at the time. So. He's always been like a role model I look up to, and nowadays, you know, you see those guys all the time. But 
you know, he was just an all-around great player that changed the game for running back. So Rams always been my favorite since I'm good old 28. It's good to be a Rams fan right now. Yes, really good to be a Rams fan. <laughs> they just got themselves a Super Bowl win. AD went crazy this past. I mean, you should have seen me uh, that whole entire game. I was all over the place. Everybody was rooting for Joe Burrow, which I understand, but you can't count, my, count out my Rams. What would you say is your best trait, your best characteristic as a running back? I would say my versatility as far as the ways an offense can be able to use me. Uh, you know, I'm able to carry the ball really extremely effectively and efficiently, always getting yards, always getting positive yards. And I'm able to block really well, which is something that's you know kind of hard to see uh, with someone that can also – run the ball, and catch the ball out of the backfield. Being able to block and recognize blitzes is a big thing in the NFL, which uh, I feel like a lot of coaches are having problems with. You know, I've been able to learn, like, a lot. As my, at my time at Iowa, you know, picking up blocks has been one of my specialties. So uh, to be able to just be that triple threat type of running back that's able to do more than just one thing is uh, huge for me. So we touched on I mean, some injuries, change in personnel, Ivory, uh, but I guess there's not a ton of tape of you carrying the ball. Uh, 181 carries over your career, 25 receptions. So there's a lot of tread left on the tire, so we can say that. But how would you make your case to be a drafted player this spring? Yeah, like I said, I can I can do a lot more in the backfield than just being able to run the ball. I feel like that's a huge aspect that coaches are looking for right now a guy that you know you're not going to need to you know babysit a lot of times going to be able to get their job done and with me being from a good uh program like iowa who's already got me nfl ready to be able to you know have bigger responsibilities and be on time for things and to learn fast is going to be huge for me and it's going to be able to you know raise my stock as far as the draft board I have plenty more tread in these tires and ready to go for as long as I possibly can. You know, I have a mindset of always competing and making the guys around me better. And I'm also a team player, you know, a leader on this football field. NFL teams would be pleased to be able to have in, in their running back room and on their offense. Not even just offense. I mean, I have plenty of special teams tapes, so I've been able to add in that area also. And now I can do anything as far as like being a gunner to a blocker on a kick return. You know, I, I could excel in any area a team puts me in and, you know, I've learned things really, really quick. Okay, sir. Here's your opportunity. If you want to shout out your social media handles, uh, plug anything you're involved in, go ahead. Yeah. I uh, just want to say thank you to everyone that's been able to get me to this point in my opportunity. Uh, mom and my dad, uh, you guys said, Follow me on social medias. My, all my social medias are Kelly Martin Ivo all together. I want to thank my marketing director at OTG Sports for getting this interview aligned for me and uh, looking forward to the opportunities I'll be able to prove at uh, my Ivo Pro Day, March 21st. All right, gang, there you have it. Ivory Kelly Martin. Ivory, thanks for joining us again and uh, good luck through the process. And uh, hopefully, we'll see you in camp this summer. Sounds great. I really appreciate having me on the call, Lou. Thanks, Alex. Great. Very good. Alex, TB12, did he really ever leave? Was he really gone? I don't think so. Do you think maybe he wanted to go to San Francisco and that was kind of his power play? So many different theories out there, but as far as we know, he's going to play for Tampa Bay. Uh, he's already had an effect on free agency. Ryan Jensen resigns. 
Carlton Davis re-signed. They did lose their other guard, Kappa. Uh, Marpet is staying uh, retired. They traded for Shaq Mason, so they're, they're going to keep making moves to, to make this work for TB12. I don't know. Do you believe he was really ever gone? I wasn't able to get used to it, to be honest with you. I mean, he announced his retirement, and then he quickly came back. The only thing that I could say is Brady was playing really at a high level throughout this last season. Best statistically since he had Randy Moss. So I was surprised that he decided to call it quits. I I don't think he was entertaining anybody else. I don't buy this whole theory that he was going to try to go to San Francisco. I don't think that was happening. So... I'm glad he's back. It's good for the league. It's good for Tampa because they were left scrambling. I'm sure they were trying to get, you know, some offers for Deshaun Watson. But, you know, Chris Godwin is back on the franchise tag. I'm sure they're going to get Rob Gronkowski to come back. Gronk is definitely coming back for another year, I'm sure. They were able to sign Russell Gage, and he had a really good year in Atlanta. I thought they got a bargain there, and he's going to be the slot receiver. I think he's going to slide into the AB role as the Bucks' third wideout. So Mike Evans, Godwin, Russell Gage, like you said, I mean, they traded for Shaq Mason. I think Tampa Bay is back. There is a reason why... Las Vegas sports books are taking the Bucks as, as a major favorite for the Super Bowl next season. Well, yeah, we talked a little bit off air. There was, uh, I guess, some interesting wagers made on March 12th to take Tampa Bay to win the Super Bowl. And then the next day, Brady announces that he's coming back. So that remains to be seen if that's a, a real story or, or what's happening there. But, you know, Gronk, Fournette, are these guys going to come back? More than likely they will now especially to play with uh, with Tom Brady and the NFC South, which looked like was a quarterback wasteland uh, a few days ago. Now, all of a sudden, those teams are in the arms race and trying to get at Deshaun Watson. New Orleans is, I think, the presumptive favorite right now. I think that gives uh, Deshaun the best chance at winning. Carolina in the running. And now, out of the blue, Atlanta jumps in or is trying to jump in. Deshaun, obviously, from Georgia, he would be, you know, since Mike Vick would be, would own that town, would own that region if he went there. The team isn't very good. You've got an incumbent quarterback with a huge salary cap hit over the next few years. So you'd have to, you know, find a trade partner for him. But Atlanta, I mean, do you feel like maybe they're just trying to drive the price up for either Carolina or New Orleans, and they may or may not be very serious about this. But it just seems like it's awfully curious that just that entire division are the only teams outside of Cleveland now, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Those are the only teams that have kind of fit into Deshaun's wheelhouse as far as waiving his no-trade clause and coming up with a package to give to Houston. Uh, Do you feel like Atlanta's a real suitor here? I don't think so, to be honest with you. I mean, they restructured the deal with Matt Ryan. You know, obviously every team in the league, and Atlanta is in this boat as well, they want to get younger at the quarterback position. Matt Ryan can't keep playing forever. and Obviously, he's not the same player that he once was, but I don't think so. I think the two teams you already mentioned, New Orleans and Carolina, those seem to be the most aggressive teams, and I think Atlanta is just 
playing mind games here. I think Deshaun should go to Carolina. You know, that would make the most sense to him, especially if they keep Christian McCaffrey. You know, obviously there have been some trade rumors there, but when you have McCaffrey, DJ Moore, and then you have a few more weapons at the wide receiver position, I just think Carolina offers the best chance to kind of take that step up with the real quarterback. I was hoping that Sam Darnold was going to be that real quarterback. Obviously, he showed his true self once again in Carolina, and Deshaun Watson would be a major upgrade. Carolina has some nice defensive pieces. All they have to do is kind of draft that offensive lineman early if they don't give up that early first-round pick for Watson. I'm sure they will. But all they need to do is kind of fix that offensive line. But Watson is used to playing behind pretty bad offensive lines for the Texans. So that would be a dream come true. And I just think that would be a win-win situation for both Watson and Carolina. Well, I don't know how they would do it because Mickey Loomis is like a magician with the, the salary cap. So I think they obviously, if they're going to go this far, uh, they know they'd have to make some moves. But with the defense, that city, that team, that culture, I think New Orleans might be a better bet. I think he and uh, Michael Thomas do share an agent as well. So there's that connection. And I'm sure... He wants a, a top receiver there, as well as Alvin Kamara and so forth. I mean, I know Carolina has, I guess, similar weapons. I don't know if DJ Moore is as good as Michael Thomas, but Michael Thomas has been on the field, it seems like, in two years. To be honest with you, if Deshaun Watson, this trade happens between New Orleans and Deshaun Watson, I don't think Michael Thomas is going to be there. I just They have to clear cap space. I think they're going to trade him. And the Kamara situation... I mean, he's got some legal issues as well. You, you don't know if it's going to quiet down or not. But Thomas stays. I don't think he goes there unless there's assurances that Thomas is there as well. I think if Watson makes it to New Orleans, I try to get Sean Payton on the phone to try to make him come. <laughs> he's got to be watching this thinking like, oh, man, okay. <laughs> so really now, okay. Yeah, I'm sure he's going to get some of that TV money that's that's come up now. As an aside, I mean, obviously, the ESPN made made it official. Joe Buck is is uh, joining Troy Aikman in the Monday Night booth, so uh, I'm sure Sean is uh, at the top of the list for Amazon in the Thursday Night package. I would imagine that might be attractive to him too. But yeah, absolutely, that would be that would be perfect for Sean Payton. I mean, put Watson and Payton together. That's a whole other bag of tricks, and I, and in the NFC South would quickly then become a very good division versus to what it's going to be if they don't make if none of those teams make a move. No one's got a quarterback except for TB12. Matt Ryan, like you said, was on his on his last legs. Who would take on that money? Indianapolis. That would be that would be like the perfect one. They did it for uh, Philip Rivers. Now he didn't have the big cap number, but who else besides Indianapolis could take on that contract? If Watson were to go to, to Atlanta. I don't think that's going to happen, though. I, I mean, again, a lot of rumors are flying around. But, yeah, I do think Indianapolis is desperate. They are always desperate. They're willing to sign veterans. I think Matt Ryan would definitely be an upgrade over to Carson Wentz. And you don't have to make him the go-to you know, guy there. Jonathan Taylor is still going to carry that offense. I mean, they've got a good offensive line. I think that makes sense. But we're, like, focusing with Deshaun Watson on the... On the NFC South, what about Cleveland, Lou? 
you know, that's the other one that, that has come up. Obviously, the Baker Mayfield situation has been explosive, to say the least, and not in a good way over the last few years, whether it's injury, whether it's personalities, everything. I mean, OBJ leaves and goes and wins the Super Bowl and was OBJ again. Obviously, it wasn't his problem. Baker is just, he's an above-average quarterback. Okay. Yes, he was the number one pick, but you can't keep falling back on that. Like he's this elite quarterback. He isn't. So Cleveland, in their right minds and doing their due diligence, we need to upgrade at that position. We have a Super Bowl caliber roster outside of that position. So yeah, we have to upgrade. So let's meet with this guy. Well, there's going to be fallout. Uh, just in the last 24 hours, there have been some, a lot of media outlets in Cleveland coming out against this potential move, not because of Baker Mayfield, but because of Deshaun Watson and the allegations that 22 women have made against them in Texas. And no criminal charges, but you know where there's smoke, there's fire, and maybe not all 22 have a case, but I gotta believe at least one or two of them. So a lot of fans, a lot of media against the Browns, you know, even doing this. Baker again gets in his feelings, and last night decides to write this: "Hey, in case I'm gone, here's my goodbye tweet or Instagram post or whatever the hell it was." It was very well written, very sentimental, and all credit to the fans, the organization, the town. I mean, everything. He just it was it was well written, but he's still a member of the team. So how's that going to shake out if they don't get Deshaun Watson? So a lot of shrapnel here, you know, from from this potential Watson move. I mean, you still got guys like Jameis Winston waiting, Jimmy Garoppolo. Yes, he had surgery, but is he going to get traded? You know, where is this carousel going to stop? I think Deshaun Watson kind of is the puppet master now uh, leading the charge. But all these communities, you know, the teams have to answer the same question. What kind of PR nightmare are we in for if we bring this guy to our city? I always thought that Baker Mayfield was a fighter. And it just seems like he's giving up in, in this whole situation. I mean, there are a lot of things that still need to fall into place for you. Or you know some inside information. Like the GM and the head coach told you already that, hey, it's a done deal. And you're getting shipped out of here. Or you're leaving town. I mean, it's a little bit too soon to do that. Or does he think that even if they don't get Watson, they'll try to get somebody else? That's the first thing in his mind is that the ship has sailed as far as this front office and me is concerned. So here's my preemptive strike to kind of garner some, I don't know if it's sympathy, attention, whatever it is, but he's on brand by doing this. I don't mean to interrupt, but it's, that's just kind of my thought there. But he's just giving up. Again, this isn't who Baker is. I mean, he went from being a walk-on at Texas Tech, and then he rose for the Oklahoma Sooners again when he bet on, on himself when he transferred from the Red Raiders, and then he became the number one overall pick. I mean, this guy is like... Alex, I, but the thing, in those situations, as a walk-on and so forth, there really wasn't a whole lot of adversity after that. You had the plant, the, the flag plant, I get was against Ohio State, he was very much supported. There wasn't a lot of arrows being slung his way. And now in the NFL where things are so much different and yeah, you're going to get criticized no matter if you're the best player in the league or Baker. 
And I think maybe this is who he really is. I'm going to disagree because when you're a walk-on, Lou, you have to beat out like 10 other quarterbacks oh, that I are understand. in front of you. Yeah, I, yeah. And I just, the point that I'm driving at is that it seems like Baker has lost his swagger. He's lost his confidence. So maybe there's something to that. The Baker that we saw this year is not the Baker Mayfield that we saw the year before that. Because it looked like a guy that was going to be kind of fighting for this. He was going to take Cleveland to places that they've never been before. I even believed in them. I picked Cleveland to win the Super Bowl. I thought that Baker was just going to defy the odds once again. But we saw like a broken down man. We saw a guy that got injured, kind of lost his confidence, and this just goes with it. Who's going to take a broken down quarterback that doesn't believe in himself? I mean, Baker needs to believe in himself. We've seen some some stories rise from the occasion. We We've seen some quarterbacks resurrect their careers. Even if you go somewhere else and it's not Cleveland, hey, you're young enough. You're going to be able to prove yourself. You've been a starting quarterback in this league. I'm talking to Baker here. I'm just trying to inspire him a little bit because this isn't the Baker that I remember. I disagree with that, Alex. Uh, As far as Baker's concerned, I don't think he's lost confidence. I believe that he doesn't think that this front office has confidence in him. So again, the situation being different from college because I think once he got to that level of being the guy, he was completely supported, you know, wasn't getting the arrows slung at him. Now he comes to the NFL where even the best players are getting criticized on a regular basis and he just hasn't performed. He's not up, he's not the number one pick that he used to be. Obviously, he'll always be the number one pick, but his play doesn't match that. So I think wherever he goes, he's going to come out guns blazing. He's going to be confident in his new situation as long as that front office shows him that he is supported, that he's their guy and all that. Now, again, that's incumbent upon that front office to really give him that kind of support because he's shown us that he needs it. And if he doesn't get it, then, you know, the lashing out, the the posts, everything else that goes along with this new Baker, which they probably don't want to see, will come up. But I think truly he has not lost confidence in himself. He still believes he's a great player, which might be a little delusional, but he is an above average NFL quarterback. You can win with Baker. Can you win a Super Bowl? I don't know, but you can certainly be competitive while you're still looking for uh, the best quarterback possible. He's still the best quarterback that Cleveland has had in the past 30 years. Oh, absolutely. No question. But he's still not good enough to get them where they want to go. Agreed. And that's what the team thinks, and that's where they're going. Uh, We talked a little bit about Trubisky in the previous episode going to Pittsburgh, but you know, let's hit on that again. I guess not so much as far as the money, but the fit. Canada's offense calls for a lot of uh, movement by the quarterback. Obviously, they weren't running that with Ben. That was not going to be a thing for him. And, and it was just about getting the ball out quick and short passes and everything else. But I think with Trubisky and his athleticism, I agree with you from the previous show that that's a great fit. They're not making a huge commitment dollars-wise. They can still draft their quarterback of the future in this draft or wait till next year if he plays halfway decent at least. They've given themselves, you know, kind of a, you know, to use a, a, a receiver parlance, a two-way go. I'm with you. I, I like that one. 
I just think he's definitely an upgrade over the guys that they have on the roster, yes. and that's Dwayne Haskins and Mason Rudolph. Those guys haven't proven that they can be even capable backups. So Trubisky could be that bridge quarterback. Like if you draft a guy, a young quarterback somewhere, you know, in the first round, you know, you can bring him in slowly. And then Trubisky could do well in that offense because he's not going to be asked to to carry the offense. Won't be asked to do that. They've got a good running game. They've got a good offensive line. I think they've improved there during this offseason. Still going to have a good defense, and that's the Mike Tomlin's way. Now, I think Trubisky is a great fit for the Steelers, and that's one of the rare fits for him. So I think it's a win-win situation for both parties. So uh, Malik Willis can still be on the radar. Uh, Desmond Ritter, perhaps, uh, Howell, perhaps, Kenny Pickett right there at Pitt. So Steelers still kind of leaving themselves open, but I believe we'll still be competitive in that division. Uh, obviously behind Cincinnati, uh, Baltimore is going to be a lot better. Uh, and Cleveland is just, you know, who knows if Watson goes there and is able to play next year, that's going to be a whole different, uh, bowl of wax there. So for Alex, I'm Lou. So that's going to do it for us. Until next time. Peace.